Well, after a, a long, long wait and uh, lots of anticipation, uh, it's finally here. And uh, what an exciting time we have ahead of us, uh, filled with uh, heart-pounding action and uh, international espionage. <laughs> I'm speaking, of course, of uh, the release this past week of the trailer for the upcoming seventh Mission Impossible movie. <laughs> Uh, but I'm sure you all knew that. As a uh, Mission Impossible fan, I've got to say I am, I am rather excited. Uh, the trailer looks fantastic. I've ne- if you've never seen the movies, uh, essentially the premise is pretty simple. Uh, the main character, Ethan Hunt, played by Tom Cruise, is an undercover CIA agent uh, who is always given some really difficult, dare I say impossible, uh, mission, uh, where he uses his, let's face it, very impressive, uh, superhero-like abilities to beat the baddies and accomplish the mission, usually with seconds to spare. But this week should also get our hearts pounding for another exciting reason. Of course, yes, it's the beginning of Mission Month here at Chatswood Presbyterian Church, where we think about how we can each be a part of seeing God's kingdom grow all around the world. But if you stop and think about that particular task for a moment, I reckon it's fair to say that Ethan Hunt actually has it pretty easy. I mean, just think about Jesus' great commission for a moment. Go and make disciples of all nations, he said, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That's the mission. And let's face it, it is staggering. According to uh, to a ministry called the Joshua Project, uh, of the 17,500 ethnic groups in the world, uh, 60% are only superficially or minimally reached, or, uh, or else totally unreached, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now that is 4.65 billion people we're talking about here. Let that just sink in for a moment. 4.65 billion people. But not only is there an overwhelming number of people who still need to hear the gospel, often there's also great opposition in places where it is most needed to be preached. Like the many countries where Hindu or Muslim extremists violently persecute Christians. Or places where atheistic governments seek to suppress Christianity or force it to to fit in with their own agenda. Even here in so-called reached countries like Australia, anti-Christian sentiment, it's on the rise. And so what? We think that we can make a difference? Seriously? Us? Maybe this shouldn't be called Mission Month after all. Maybe it would be better to be calling it Mission Impossible Month. (laughs) But before we throw up our hands in despair, I think it would be very good for us to spend a little bit of time looking at just a couple of verses in the Bible, words spoken by Jesus himself to his disciples. If you don't already have a Bible open in front of you at Matthew chapter 13, let me encourage you, grab one now, turn with me there. Uh, uh, It's on page 1522 of the Church Bibles. 
Now, at the time Jesus speaks these words, let me say, I think it's fair to say that his little movement uh, is rather, well, unimpressive, uh, made up of just 12 uh, very, very ordinary blokes, uh, fishermen, uh, a tax collector and the like, 12 regular blokes uh, led by a carpenter's son who hails from a backwater town in a hick region of Israel. In fact, at uh, this point in the story, a lot of people are so unimpressed with Jesus that they've already rejected him and and his message. Some of the religious leaders are even plotting how they might kill him. And so Jesus' little movement, it seems pretty hopeless, really. By all accounts, it's already dead in the water. But it's in this context that Jesus shares a parable with his disciples, one that must have blown their minds. Here, look with me at Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 and 32. Matthew 13, 31. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds... Yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. It's a pretty simple story, really, isn't it? Uh, Where Jesus speaks about, of all things, a mustard seed. A mustard seed. What does Jesus say about a mustard seed? What does he say it's like? Well, of course, he says that it's tiny, doesn't he? Uh, tiny, just a, a speck on the end of your finger, hardly a force to be reckoned with. But as Jesus points out, the thing about a mustard seed is, is, is it doesn't stay tiny. Now, after being planted, it begins to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow until it becomes a great big tree mind-boggling when you think about it. Yet needless to say, this is meant to be much more than just a botany lesson from Jesus. You see, he's teaching the disciples a very important lesson, drawing from imagery from the Old Testament, from where the prophet Ezekiel describes the mighty Assyrian empire this way. Consider Assyria, he says, Once a cedar in Lebanon, with beautiful branches overshadowing the forest, it towered on high, its top above the thick foliage. All the birds of the sky nested in its boughs. All the wild, all the animals of the wild gave birth under its branches. All the great nations lived in its shade. And so what is Ezekiel likening to a great big tree? Well, the mighty Assyrian Empire, with its branches reaching far and wide, its canopy enveloping many nations, uh, the people of which are described as, as birds, finding shelter and protection and abundance in the empire's massive branches. And so Jesus, in his parable, is drawing from this Old Testament image 
to make a point about another kingdom, God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And what's his point? Well, as small and as unimpressive as Jesus' little group of Galileans is, God is going to do great things through them. He's going to grow his kingdom to be like a great big tree in which the people of the nations, the birds, will find shelter and rest in abundance among the branches. Now, I don't know about you, but I have certainly come to appreciate uh, the kind of shelter that a tree can provide. I am, after all, a pale-skinned, ginger-haired man of Irish descent. The fact is I've only got to be out in the summer sun for a matter of milliseconds before I turn uh, this sort of lobster red and uh, my skin starts to peel off. It's a wonderful way to be. (laughs) That's why last month when my family visited a beach up in the north coast on a hot sunny day, uh, I immediately noticed this huge tree with a canopy reaching out over the sand. Ah, yes. And it was there, you see, under it that I planted myself for the rest of the day, sheltering in the cool shade, protected from the harsh sun, along with all the other pale-skinned, ginger-haired people of Irish descent who had flocked together to make use of this tree, to be sure, to be sure. But in Jesus' parable... People of the nations find shelter and rest in abundance in the branches of God's kingdom. In other words, they experience there the riches of God's love and grace and forgiveness. Finding their hope and meaning and purpose along with joyful fellowship among all the other birds. And I can't help but think of just how reassuring the memory of this parable must have been to the disciples as they heard Jesus giving them their mission impossible to make disciples of all nations. Because in this parable, Jesus is promising that no matter how unlikely it seems, God, God's kingdom will grow into all the world, steadily, unstoppably, offering eternal shelter to the nations of the world, And the thing is, Jesus was right, wasn't he? I mean, we here today, we can look back and we can see the impact of the past 2,000 years of unrelenting kingdom growth. Starting with just that handful of disciples at at, at Jesus' ascension. Then spreading surely and steadily through Judea and Samaria, then to various cities across Europe, Asia Minor, North Africa. By 600 AD, it had spread to most of Western Europe. By 1000 AD, the gospel had penetrated northward into Scandinavia and eastward into Russia. In the late, in the 1500s, the age of discovery and Colonialization spread Christianity into the Americas, as well as parts of Asia and Africa. 
In the late 18th century, British settlers introduced Christianity to Australia. And since then, it has spread rapidly in, in Africa, where it continues to, to thrive today. It is extraordinary growth, breathtaking Not that this growth has gone unopposed. No, there has always been, from the very beginning, opposition in the form of, of persecution, um, setbacks due to, to false teaching or nominalism, uh, you know, where people claim to be Christian, but it doesn't make any difference in their lives. But slowly and surely, despite the opposition, God's kingdom has grown from a tiny, tiny little seed into this great big tree with a whole variety of birds from all over the world drawn to shelter in its branches. And I mean, surely our own church is living proof of that. In fact, you know what? I sat down this past week and I worked out that in our church, we have got Christians who were born in Australia, China, Malaysia, Indonesia, Brazil, Taiwan, New Zealand, Kenya, Nigeria, Japan, Philippines, USA, South Korea, Singapore, Hong Kong, England, France, Egypt, Scotland, Russia, South Africa, Papua New Guinea, Ireland, Belarus, India, Fiji and Vietnam. And I'm sure that I have left out some. <laughs> If that's you, please let me know after the service, won't you? <laughs> yes, Jesus' words are coming true. And there is just so much to celebrate. But before we down tools and don our party hats, well, let's not forget there's still so much more to be done. What was that statistic? 4.65 billion people. Friends, there are far too many people in our world who do not even know a single Christian, let alone have a local church to attend or a, a Bible to read in their own language. Far too many people who have never even heard the name of Jesus Christ. What a tragedy, what a tragedy that these people that God loves so much know nothing of the shelter and rest of his kingdom branches. Far too many people are striving vainly to work their way to heaven or are living as though there is no God at all, without hope. Like caged birds, they're trapped in sin and fear and false religion and spiritual darkness, headed for eternity in hell unless someone shares the good news with them. The good news that Jesus has come into this world to rescue sinners from every nation through his death on the cross, where he died in their place, taking their punishment, then rising again to, to offer forgiveness and eternal life to all who accept his free offer of salvation. This, this is the good news that sets captive birds free, no matter where they're from. 
I just really hope that window's open. <laughs> so how is the tree of God's kingdom going to keep growing? How are those 4.65 billion people going to hear this good news? Well, friends, that's where you and I come in. You see, it's our job as believers to reach them. Let me put it in a different way. Our mission, should we choose to accept it, can be summarised in just two words. Send and go. We're to send and go. And we can do these things with the utmost confidence. Let me explain. Firstly, we're to send. That is, we are to send missionaries out into the world. And of course, that's why our church supports these 13 mission partners. And we send them with confidence. Because we're convinced that through them, the gospel will go out. And that some will hear it and believe We're convinced that through our mission partners, God's kingdom tree will grow and more and more birds will be drawn to shelter in its branches. So how are our mission partners growing God's kingdom exactly? Well, you know, in a whole variety of ways. Some some are working in places where the gospel has already reached, but where the the kingdom branches aren't really all that strong yet. And so they're teaching in theological colleges, training locals to understand the Bible better, that they might then in turn faithfully teach and reach others. So that's the the Johnsons in New Zealand. It's the, the Falls in Vanuatu. It's the PTS College in India. And Rebecca in Southeast Asia. Others are are working in church ministry in countries where the gospel has made little headway. That's the the Wongs in Japan, the Darudas family in Italy, Elizabeth in Dubai. Places where, by God's grace, tiny new little kingdom shoots are forming. Others are involved in student ministry here in Australia. That's uh, Mark Baines in our local high school. Sarah Webber at Deakin University, Dan and Megan at Macquarie Uni, orientating young people towards the kingdom tree at a formative time in their lives. Others are involved in mercy ministries. That's Meredith in North Africa, caring for kids with disabilities. An Egal vendor in Israel, helping addicts break free from drugs and find new life in Jesus. And finally, there's J&B in East Asia, involved in workplace ministry, serving people in practical ways and sharing the gospel as God gives them opportunity. Now, do any of them have superhero Ethan Hunt-type abilities to fulfil their mission? No. Like those first disciples, they are just... Ordinary, regular people. Some of them even call themselves nerds for Christ. And yet they and we 
are convinced that God can use their small mustard seed efforts to achieve big things in his kingdom. And that means we send them confidently. But what of all the opposition? Well, it's definitely there, isn't it? I mean, some of them you'll notice. I I can't even say their full name. I'll tell you the, the specific country they're in. So great is the resistance to the gospel in those places. And yet they have gone confidently, believing Jesus' promise that his mustard tree will fill the earth, that no walls of opposition can stop its quiet and steady yet powerful growth. I mean, even last Wednesday night, my Bible study group, we Zoomed our mission partners, uh, J&B, in East Asia, And they shared of how uh, these last few months uh, they've been in total lockdown uh, on account of the pandemic. And that's meant that they've not been able to continue in their workplace ministry and they expressed just how frustrating that has been. But they also went on to share how God has still been at work in surprising ways. In particular, for the very first time, J&B say that they've had opportunity to meet some of their neighbours in their unit block. People who have always kept to themselves. Well, now they're much more open to to stopping and having a chat and and being cared for and, and, and prayed for. You see, God will always make a way. And so this is why we confidently send missionaries, because we know that God will use them in his kingdom purposes. And it's why I unashamedly call on all of us to give generously to our mission partners. Because we believe that that's an essential part of sending. You know, ensuring that our mission partners have the financial support that they need to keep growing God's kingdom wherever they are. So let me encourage you, friends, to give big this Mission Sunday. You know, I hope it's obvious to all of us that it is one of the best and one of the most eternal investments that we can make. And let's not forget that sending also involves praying for our mission partners too. Because ultimately only God can take their efforts and make the tree grow. So let me encourage you, if you haven't already, to sign up for one of the, uh, mission, uh, the, the prayer updates of one, just one, of our mission partners. And then use them to fuel your prayers. This Saturday night, of course, we will get to learn about and pray for North Africa. One of the least reached parts of the world, where our mission partner, Meredith, serves. I, I guarantee it will be a night well spent. So how are we to help God's kingdom grow around the world? Firstly, we are to send. Secondly, we're to go. And I know how this works. This is the bit where everybody kind of gets a little bit awkward, feels a bit awkward and starts squirming in their seats a little. But before you tune me out, let me begin by saying that going doesn't necessarily mean relocating to the other side of the world. You know, fact is, there are plenty of caged birds right here in Sydney. In fact, did you know that Sydney 
ranks in the top two most multicultural cities in the world. It's true. In fact, around half our city's population was born overseas. Apparently, there are over 250 languages spoken in Sydney. And more than 70% of our state's population growth comes from overseas migration. I mean, what an opportunity. And the thing is, often it just takes a, a mustard-sized, a mustard-seed-sized mustard seed action to have a big impact. So what, are you, what could you do, do you reckon, to have an impact? Well, here are just a few simple ideas. For starters, how's this one? How about the next time with your, you're with a friend and they express to you some, something that they're particularly anxious about at that time? How about taking the opportunity, telling that friend that, you know what, you're going to be in prayer for them? I mean, what a really simple way of bringing God into the conversation, into your relationship. How about uh, the next time you're chatting with, uh, you know, your friend or your classmate? You see if you can work in a story or, or a parable that Jesus told. Who doesn't like a story? Or perhaps, you know, you could... You could have your own mercy ministry. Here's an idea. What, what about volunteering to help an Afghan refugee family settle into Australia? You know, I know some people in our church are already doing that, finding it really rewarding. What a wonderful way to show Christ's love. Well, here's another really super easy one. How about inviting someone to church? or to our easy English ministry, or um, to youth group. You never know what might happen. You know, according to evangelist Sam Chan, 60% of Australians would be open to accepting a friend's invitation to church. 60%? What's stopping us? Why not give it a go? And then keep praying for them. Yeah, Beth and I, we are just so excited that after 13 years of praying for and inviting our Persian friends along to church, they came, they came, they come every now and then, they came again last week. Do you know what they said to us afterwards? They said that they're seriously considering, and they were genuine, about becoming Christians. Do you know why? They said it's because, not because of the world-class morning tea, mind you, okay? I don't, I don't think that... It was very good, wasn't it? But I don't think that was the reason. No, they said, the reason they gave us is they said it's because, because of the joy and freedom uh, that they see in us here at church compared to what they see in Islam. Please do pray that they'll soon be perched with us, you know, in God's kingdom branches. Don't underestimate a simple invitation to church. And okay, finally, maybe for you it is a matter of going elsewhere. You know, and if so, perhaps you could find a way to, to serve in mission, whether it be short-term or long-term. Well, if that's you, we would love to help you in that. That's why in three weeks on Mission Sunday, we're putting on a lunch here at church with Glenn Turner from CMS. Uh, for, for anyone who would like to investigate the possibility of serving in mission... Um, or anyone who wants curry puffs and barbecue pork buns, apparently. You know, why not come along and just 
ask your questions. If you're a young person, let me ask you a couple of questions. You know, the fact is, you have got your whole life ahead of you. How are you going to spend it? How are you going to use your gifts, your education, the education God has given you, you know, just to make a comfortable life for yourself? Is that it? Is that the goal? Or will you use them to help God's kingdom grow? You do not need to be an action hero to grow God's kingdom. Chances are you won't ever you don't have to put suction cups on your hands and climb up a really tall building like Ethan Hunt in Mission Impossible. Now, Jesus uses ordinary people to accomplish his mission. Ordinary, but faithful people who offer themselves to God for his kingdom purposes. And so, young people, my prayer is that some of you, like Rebecca, will choose to go and serve in a place where there aren't many Christians or churches. And my prayer is that the rest of us, including your mums and dads, will generously support you in that. Yes, friends, the task before us sure is a big one. 4.65 billion people need to hear the gospel, and yes, there's a whole lot of resistance to the message. But we don't need to be intimidated or paralysed by the hugeness of the task, do we? No, no, no. As we've seen today, God's kingdom tree is growing steadily, relentlessly, pushing through every boundary that tries to contain it. Friends, Jesus has promised that he will build his church, that the gospel will be preached in all nations, that people from every tribe and nation will Worship around God's throne one day. And so do you see, friend, this isn't, it's not mission impossible at all. It's mission inevitable. So let's faithfully and confidently do our small part to grow God's kingdom as senders, as goers. And may God use our prayers and our giving and our gospel sharing to bring many more birds into his kingdom tree. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you for uh, the, the confidence the parable of the mustard seed gives us as we seek to make disciples of all nations. Thank you for how your kingdom has grown throughout the centuries and uh, for the courageous missionaries who have dedicated their lives to that growth. Thank you especially for our own 13 mission partners. Help us to pray regularly for them and give generously to support their needs. Please give us your heart for the world this mission month, that we might be faithful senders and goers. And through our, our efforts, please bring birds of all kinds to join us in your kingdom branches. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.